Hello, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I have uh, uh, Chris on the line with me. Uh, Chris Boyce, is that that? I got the name right today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. And uh, is it Dr. Boyce or are you on the ABD verge of dissertation land? Um, I'm not quite doctor yet. Hopefully by December that will all be, all be uh, confirmed. Uh, okay, so we'll call you doctor but with a K, just so everybody uh, understands that it's not quite a pre-doctor. But uh, yeah, the, thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us. Um, as people who've listened to my show uh, over the last couple of years know that I have a ve I'm a very, very strong proponent of, uh, of uh, psychological therapy. Uh, because I believe that uh, philosophy has as its core self-knowledge as a value and as a virtue. And I think self-knowledge is uh, very hard to achieve without external input, whether that comes from a family and friends or in the absence of, uh, of that for a lot of people comes from a trained professional. I just think it's absolutely essential. We can't achieve anything great in this life without a coach. And I think to achieve anything great or even good in terms of self-knowledge requires a, a competent professional in many situations. And so, of course, I'm always eager to find uh, uh, information which supports the, uh, the theory that the pursuit of self-knowledge leads to greater happiness than the pursuit of material gain or professional success or looks or, or whatever. And so I was very interested when I saw this um, information from you, Chris, about a, uh, a data set that you'd worked with and some conclusions that, that were really quite remarkable. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little about that. Yeah, sure. Great, great pleasure in telling you a little bit more about it. Um, so, uh, so basically what we do is we're basically trying to highlight how ineffective money is increasing well-being. So we're not necessarily saying psychological therapy is really great, um, which it is, but we're just trying to highlight that money is, is relatively ineffective. So we chose psychological therapy because we've got kind of good data on that that we can kind of compare to, to, the, to the, the, the figures that we've got for, for money's effect on well-being. Um, and your approach was, I think, quite interesting that you had thousands of data sets that uh, I guess had a wide variety of financial rewards and incentives that occurred just semi-randomly within that population. And you compared the self-reporting of happiness of these people over time. Uh, and some of those people, was it right, had gone through uh, about an average of four months of therapy, about 800 British pounds uh, worth of therapy. And some of them had achieved significant financial increases. And if I understood the, the numbers right, you found that the sort of the balancing point between these two advantages of personal therapy versus monetary gain was that you had to receive a, a raise of £25,000 a year in order to achieve the same level of happiness as a four-month or, or £800 course of therapy. Uh, is, that, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's what we basically calculated the effect of therapy to be equivalent in terms of income. But just to go back one step, actually, is to, to kind of get things clear is that we didn't actually con conduct any analysis in and of itself. But what we're actually doing is actually kind of bringing together kind of very disjoint pieces of research. And so, for example, economists are quite into kind of evaluating the effect of income on well-being. So what we do is we took from their studies and we're basically trying to join that up with various psychological research, various uh, research within law, and also medical research. So we're kind of bringing that all together. Um, and my, my specific, um, I'm specifically quite unique because of my kind of very cross-disciplinary approach, which enables me to kind of bring all this research together. So we haven't actually conducted new, new analysis, but we're just bringing it, drawing it all together. 
Because, I mean, you're working, as a, if I remember rightly, in, in the fields of economics and psychology, which I think is just a fascinating cross-disciplinary approach. Yeah, definitely. There's so much going on in that, that area at the moment. It's amazing. Because, I mean, economics needs, needs psychology, so, so much psychology and economics. And I think it's often put to one side, um, which is a shame because it's, it's kind of essential, if you ask me. Well, I, I certainly would agree with that. And um, so, so the data sets that you had, there were people who had taken therapy and had not taken therapy, and you sort of tried to find the commonalities between financial gains in terms of self-reported happiness and uh, and psychological gains in terms of happiness from therapy. Is that right? Um, so what we did is we looked across um, some medical research, and we kind of looked at the, the change in well-being that that, that generally would take place uh, with a course of psychological therapy. And um, then what we did is we compared that with another study that looked at various lottery wins, um, how much effect that had on well-being. And we, you know, there's, there's, we basically conducted a kind of cost comparison across those two studies. Um, we found that you, know, you could raise um, well-being from psychological therapy by quite a significant amount. Um, and to achieve that equivalent amount um, using money alone would be in excess of £25,000, which is quite, quite a... a, a large sum yeah it's not 20 percent or 50 percent or even 100 percent more but 32 times the amount of money that you would need to gain an equivalent amount from an investment in therapy i mean if you were to put that out as a sort of business prospectus if you were buying happiness which is to some degree a commodity if you were buying happiness uh nobody would ever look for a lottery or any kind of financial gain uh, that was pure money because you would get 32 times the effectiveness from investing in in therapy but if you, if you, the, 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 the strange thing is, I think if you put that proposition to someone, how about twenty five thousand pound pay rise or a course of psychological therapy? I mean, most people would choose the twenty five thousand pay rise because I think money's got such a high value in society, and people genuinely do feel that it's going to raise their their well being and their happiness by such an extent, um, and they often undervalue other ways in which they might think about raising their well being. Sorry. Right. And just for the listeners who wanted to hang out, certainly before the end, Chris and I will be breaking into a rousing rendition of Can't Buy Me Love, uh, which we've been practicing uh, all day. So, um, Or another way of putting it is to say that uh, the, the disincentive for therapy is so high that you have to pay somebody 32 times the amount of money to not go to therapy because I guess people have this perception that it's you know a grueling, horrible process where you lie in a fetal position sucking your thumb and weeping about your mother or something. So they view the disincentive of therapy so high that they'd rather have, uh, in a sense, much less, uh, much, much, uh, much less money relative to the happiness that they buy, uh, which again I think has to do with people not really understanding the process of therapy, but that's perhaps a conversation for another time. Yeah, I do, I do, I do think that is the case, but I think there's, 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 there's more to it. I think that firstly, there is, there is a kind of lot of stigma attached to kind of going to therapy and, you know, people are like, well, no, I'm not mentally ill. I'm, I'm okay. I can't get any benefit from this. And then there's also the fact that people find it very difficult to quantify their mental health, um, in the same way that you can with money. So I think people don't often think how much that could really benefit their lives because it's not quanti kind of quantifiable in the same way. I think that's true. And, and my, I mean, I went to therapy for a number of years and found it to be just the most amazing uh, and positive thing. And one of the things that I found from therapy, which is probably quite different from money, is having lots of money can make you very popular with those around you, whereas having lots of self-knowledge and insight can make you a bit troublesome to those around you sometimes. And I think that <laughs> probably has something to do with it as well. Yes, I might agree with that, making you troublesome. <laughs> uh, in that good Socratic way, I hope, but uh, sometimes it can be yeah. annoying for people. 
Uh, I was also uh, really fascinated when you uh, were quoted in an article uh, where you were saying that um, uh, over the last 50 years, developed countries, of course, have seen enormous increases in material wealth, but uh, not corresponding increases in happiness, which certainly would uh, conform with the thesis that you have put forward. And uh, you said also mental health, on the other hand, appears to be deteriorating worldwide. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, because I found that a very sort of teasing thing that was on, on the side, but I think very, very important. Because, I mean, there's kind of two parts to the research that we've been conducting. So, so firstly, is a kind of cross-comparison and showing that, you know, psychological therapy would be the equivalent of 25,000 pay rise. But then we kind of extend that and say, well, okay, from an individual's perspective, that's really important. But what about socially? Um, basically, we draw on two bits of other evidence. So this is why it's so very cross-disciplinary. It's, it's great. Um, so we draw on two bits of evidence. And one is that a fairly striking finding that over the last, say, 50 years, we've you know, had huge amounts of economic growth. Um, yeah, happiness levels have remained flat. Um, so then when you turn to the kind of mental health, now you've actually find that that seems to be deteriorating. Um, so I think in 1999, uh, unipolar depression was estimated to be the, the fifth most burdensome disease worldwide. Um, and the estimate is that by 2020, that's expected to be the second most. Um, so basically, the argument there is that, well, we've got mental health deteriorating um, and we've got economic growth, which doesn't really seem to be providing the kind of well-being effects that we'd like. So wouldn't it make more sense to channel resources into providing better mental health care than being so kind of so focused on the pursuit of economic gains. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, uh, I think even an economist would say that the purpose of life is not to accumulate material goods, but to satisfy one's needs. And, of course, the greatest need, at least in the Aristotelian sense, the greatest need that we always want is happiness, because it's the one thing that we pursue not for the sake of something else. And that's something that is really skewed in our society in a, in a pretty tragic way. And it's really sad to think that if you look sort of back 50 years um, we're talking still about sort of the post-Second World War reconstruction, that with all this wealth and peace, relative peace, we're still not happier than people who were rebuilding the shattered remnants of Western civilization after the Second World War. You could almost say that that's a decline that's not been flat, but after the tragedies of the first half of the 20th century, right, the First World War, the Depression, the Second World War, we're mm -hmm. only still as happy as those people who were sort of crawling out of that wreckage that seems almost like a fallback rather than a, a flat. But of course, that's impossible to quantify, I would say. Um, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at things. I mean, I think there's, there's, I mean, economic growth is important to well, for well-being up to a point. Um, and when it comes to getting your kind of basic necessities and the things you need, you know, of course, that's going to increase your well-being. And there is this link with, with you know, increased your gross domestic product and, and happiness or just general well-being, um, which I don't think is there anymore. I mean... It's, it's not it's, the link isn't there anymore basically whereas in the past you know beyond 50 years ago there, there probably was that link um and ec economists have kind of think you know more more goods more money i can buy more goods greater utility um but that link isn't really seem to be that true yeah i mean i think it's the law of diminishing returns when it comes to material wealth 
that uh, obviously food and shelter, it's, it's really tough to be happy without those. But, you know, upgrading your iPod probably isn't going to double your happiness in the way that getting food and shelter is. I think there is that law of diminishing returns, which people sort of don't see. They, they're chasing this thing, thinking that the next thing will make them that much happier because some of the earlier things which we've achieved, I guess, as a culture did make us a lot happier. And so we think that if we just keep redoubling our efforts that way, then we will continue to gain happiness. But there definitely is a law of diminishing returns, I think. Definitely. People do have a tendency to kind of habituate or basically adapt to their new surroundings so it doesn't have the same kind of positive well-being effect um, and that's why I think some people do overvalue the effect that money can have on their well-being is because I mean we've had a lot of us had excess money and we can spend that and we can get a lot of kind of temporary positive benefits but that's not really sustainable within you know you know if it's a new piece of clothing or something within you know a couple of weeks that new piece of clothing is no longer new and right. it's not giving you any any make any difference to your life just like the new the new ipod or anything like that um there's also i've been doing quite a lot of research on the fact that people actually spend a lot of the time comparing to to other people mm. uh, um so you it's more kind of comparison to your neighbor so if your neighbor gets a better car you kind of feel like you need a better car um but once you get the better car no one's really kind of moved anywhere but you've both got better cars <laughs> right. uh, but it's not better than your neighbors so you're not really kind of getting any positive effects from that Right, it's like everyone's getting taller, so nobody's getting taller. So that's yeah, really it's, a, it's the old classic when everyone's you know, it's better if we all sat down when we're in a stadium, but people tend to stand up, and if everyone's standing up, it makes sense to to stand up yourself. Um, so you're kind of all wasting a little bit of effort right. just to get the same view you could have sitting down. And and I think one of the uh, one of the great benefits of self actualization is that when we become as much as we can who we who we genuinely are, like we don't sort of bow to to cliche or culture or pressure that is is false or outside of ourselves we we do lose the desire to compare ourselves with others because we have become who we are and therefore comparisons become much less mm. relevant or much less important it's sort of that false self thing where we have to have that shiny exterior that we end up comparing but i know we're getting a long way from your thesis i just wanted to uh, yeah well i mean it's all very interesting very interesting stuff i mean the, the idea of comparison um i mean we can't help but compare in a natural day-to-day life but i think to a certain extent, you have to come away from that and, and be aware that you do compare, but not let that kind of drag you down so much and make you work much more than you probably want to, I think, to, to keep up to keep up with everyone else. Right. Now, I didn't see any of this in the, uh, in the article, um, though I may have missed it. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about this. My gut sense would be, and of course, we all know how scientific that is, right? But my <laughs> gut sense would be uh, to say that... Um, uh, at least in my experiences, I mean, I've certainly had, uh, I was a, um, a software entrepreneur in the boom bust cycle, and I had certainly had my roller coaster when it came to, to wealth. Um, I found that the benefits that came out of therapy were, uh, were permanent. And in fact, I would say sort of ever increasing in terms of, of happiness, whereas the benefits that came from you know, taking baths in gold coins uh, did tend to diminish over time. And I don't know, I didn't see, see that reference in your article. Uh, did you see any data that way? Or is that something that, uh, that you have a thought about? Um, so the, the, the kind of the more permanent effects of therapy and the less, the more temporary. Yeah, like even if you got 50,000 uh, pounds versus spending 800 pounds in therapies, so you got 64 times the amount of money and you, you were even happier than if you'd just gotten therapy. Again, mm -hmm. like five years later, Obviously, the fifty thousand pounds is spent and gone, or something like that. Are you then back to lower happiness, uh, even um, if you get more? Are you then back to lower happiness than someone who pursued therapy? Well, we couldn't find the data on that. To, to I mean, I'd like to have shown that, and I think that possibly is is the case. Um, I think you know, gains to money is certainly a lot more transitory. 
but we couldn't find the, the, the data that would, would support that claim. So I, I'm afraid I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to say on that. Right. And was, the data, think, was it because there wasn't a, the longevity of data or the data itself that was there that was sort of measuring a long enough period of time didn't support that idea? Um, it, it, it wasn't. We, we literally just couldn't find the, find the data on it. So I don't think the data was long enough where it wasn't specifically looking at that question. So it was looking at people um, who were in psychological distress and what would happen if they underwent therapy. Um, it was looking at individuals that had psychological distress through the loss of a, a loved one, for instance, and how much that reduced their well-being. So it didn't really look about uh, the after effects. I don't think that's a long enough time. Like, right. Okay. So it's it's not that there was data that disproved that idea, but you could no, find it data to support dis or disprove. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, it would be, it, it, of course, that would be a huge study, but it would be really fascinating if you could take it even further and say that the, the effects of therapy are long lasting, if not permanent, whereas the effects of money, even if greater temporarily than the effects of therapy prove to be a sort of uh, a bell curve, that would be very interesting. Mm, definitely. Definitely. And I've uh, I've spent a, a fair amount of time in my show, well, on occasion, trying to help people to quantify the the monetary effects of good mental health because you know it can be tough to say you know do this difficult and expensive thing called therapy because things will just be better afterwards. I mean, sometimes people do like something a little bit more concrete. Um, and another interesting thing, and I, again, I didn't see it in the paper, but I was just wondering if you could share your thoughts about this. It was my experience that therapy really did help me in terms of confidence and negotiations and, and so on. And so I ended up actually having a greater income after therapy than, than beforehand and having a lot more confidence in my business dealings and, and so on. And so it did have, I mean, if I were to look at the investment and payoff the ROI in terms of therapy was about four months of increased income. The amount of money that I spent in therapy, I then got in perpetuity and, of course, in an ever-increasing way with raises over time after about four months uh, in terms of my, my therapeutic investment. Do you, do you, have you found any way to find out whether there's a correlation between therapy and, uh, and income or is that something that showed up in the data at all? Um, no, I mean, that hasn't come up. That hasn't, we haven't looked for that or that hasn't come up. Um, but I mean, I say it's not unlikely for that to be the case. I mean, I think people can often overvalue the effects that money have on well-being because they look around the world, they look around the world and they see, okay, this person's got lots of money and they're happy and they associate the, um, the happiness because of the, because of the income. But quite right. often it's the other way around. So the kind of, the, the higher well-being can then lead to the higher income, if you see what I mean. Yeah, so they, they sort of reverse the cause and effect. If I had this money, yeah. I would then be this happy as opposed to if I were more happy, I would end up with this money, but the money won't buy me the happiness. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I, from a personal perspective, it, for me, it's all about having the mental health and, and the happiness, and that's always been my, my key key guide anyway, from a personal perspective. Um, and I think I definitely recommend that to be uh, a way of kind of way forward way of looking at things and i uh, appreciate your time i was just wondering if i could pepper you with one or two more questions i'm quite curious about how it is that you ended up in this very interesting and i think very fertile cross-pollination of disciplines uh, what was it as you said you started out as an economist can you tell uh, tell me a little bit about what drew you towards uh, uh, building that bridge towards uh, mental health and self-knowledge um oh Ultimately, I think it's just passion and following what I really enjoyed, I think. Um, 
but at the time it was just complete disillusionment with with, with economics <laughs> things didn't things didn't seem to kind of marry up in my head it, it just didn't seem to make complete sense um learning these kind of mathematical technical models which you know i was looking at the outside world not really seeing seeing them kind of matching um so i mean there's times when i've, I've i say had money but not had more money than i have now um and seeing that money just spent and living to my means and it not really adding much substance to my to my my life um so it's kind of always been at the back of the mind and this kind of a link with kind of money and well-being um and i think i've just kind of literally just followed, followed what i'm interested in it seems to have worked out really that's uh, great sorry go ahead so so i i originally did um uh, economics degree and took out to masters and then changed from changed to psychology um but with the background as an economist it's kind of enabled me to kind of bring a lot of kind of psychological concepts and ideas to to economics so that's where i am at the moment and i was wondering if you uh, you know whether you want to give away trade secrets of your future or not i don't know but i was wondering if you could uh, just tell me a little bit about where you might be heading next uh, in terms of the uh, the work that you're doing um, in terms of the work that I'm doing, well, at the moment, I'm trying to get the work that I've done through my, my PhD thesis out and, and published. Um, so I'm halfway getting halfway through getting that published now. So once I've done that, um, I, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, I've, got, I've, I've got to basically create a job for myself somewhere. So not too sure where I'm going to go. But at the moment, it's just getting my, my thesis work published. Well, that's fantastic. And is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, uh, oh, I guess, sorry, the last question I had was, how did this end up getting out into the media, which I think is, you know, sometimes in academia can be a bit of a high hurl to get uh, information out into the general public. Uh, how did that uh, happen in this case? Um, well, I put press release out, basically. I mean, to, to me, I mean, this is a really important idea. It's probably one of the most important um, chapters of my thesis uh, in terms of its ideas. And actually, you know, this is, the way that you know you could really have a kind of real impact so since we started writing this one it's always been right at the back of my mind this eventually you want to get this out to the media so it was a case of literally getting a press release out making sure the press release was just right um and sending that out to as many people as possible um and it seems to have done quite well so people have been contacting me and people are interested in the work and that's ultimately what, what i wanted so i mean i think if you want to push your work and my work being around kind of well-being and happiness is always going to have that kind of that interesting factor so you got to push it but um that's how i go into the media all right well i really do appreciate your time and i certainly don't want to keep you from doing uh, doing all the good work that you're doing but uh, i mean thank you i mean i know i don't need to thank you but uh, i really do appreciate uh, the work that you've done in terms of getting these statistical correlations out you know the more facts that that we have uh, to promote the pursuit of self-knowledge uh, in a therapeutic environment uh, the better and of course anything that we can do to add to the happiness of the world is a life well lived and i think that by making the case from a very explicit and numerical uh, in a very explicit and numerical fashion i think you've done a lot of good and I really do appreciate that. Okay. Thank you very much for, thanks very much for having me on, Stefan. Thanks very much. Best of luck with your dissertation. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.